Thank you. Well, uh, if you got my email, uh, I suggest you read the book of Jonah, and then <clears throat> consider uh, three other individuals in the Bible and what they might have to, what's the similarity or what connection would they have with the book of Jonah? Here's some more coffee. I'm okay. Rahab the prostitute. If you'll scoop that cup over, I can fill him up. I just met the, uh, the guy next to you. Sinful woman. He said he wanted more over coffee there. and Good I just bought him. Oh, Bob. John 4. Morning, we had five different husbands. I am checking up with a guy who wasn't there. Okay, she's got a steady Everybody else is okay? I'll take some. And then uh, Cornelius, who I, I, call, I think I called him a pagan. I don't know. And some said he really wasn't a pagan. He was a, a man who feared God, but yeah. he, he wasn't a circumcised Jew. Well, he wasn't that. Yeah. <coughs> Roman soldier. Yeah. But anyway, well, let's look at the book of Jonah. <coughs> Interesting book. <coughs> I don't know when this book was written. Uh, anybody knows for sure. It does uh, refer to Jonah as a Hebrew, which is um, uh, seems to go back to the early period of Israel's history. It would be called a Hebrew instead of a Jew. Uh, to be called a Jew would that comes later after the. Um, you only have the Israelites who are living in Judah. That's where they're called Jews. That, that was after the, the tribes were divided. <coughs> but uh, uh, I don't, we won't read this whole thing, but just kind of summarize we go through. The word of the Lord came. God spoke to Jonah, right? He's got a mission for this guy. Uh, to go and preach to none of them. <coughs> and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me, and in fact, once he got there, what was the, what was the message? Repent. Um, destroyed. Uh, yeah, the message was you're going to be destroyed. Yeah, the Lord's going to destroy you. And um, and the message was um, forty days, and none of it will be overturned or right. destroyed mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. because of their. And their wickedness it was the prediction of their of disaster coming on this city. Uh, but what did Jonah do? Was he obedient to God's word? Oh, sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> he ran. He tried to get yes, his he As far as he could, the opposite direction. Here's interesting. He was going to get away from the presence of the Lord. Where are you going? <laughs> Yeah. Good luck on that. He's afraid of water. <laughs> There's a lot. This book is really kind of a. Uh, it's almost like a comedy. <laughs> it's written like a, a comedy skit. Uh, 
thing. You know, uh, if he's going to get away from the presence of God, no, I don't, need, no, don't, don't need him. Thank you. I mean, what Israelite ever really believed that you could get away from Thank the presence? You. What did the psalmist say? You know, if I if I should even go up into the highest heaven here, if I if I could go down to the lowest part of the earth from east to west, he's there. <laughs> Uh, and Jonah says, he says God is the creator. And a little later on, when uh, the, the, the storm comes up, he explains that he's the word. His God is the Lord, who's the creator of heaven and earth. Right. What if he's a, so does he really believe that he can escape? But anyway, he does not want to. He does not want to go to Nineveh, does he? By the way, we. Which How is that any different than us? Yeah. I mean, we, we know who God is and stuff, and yet we, we think we hide stuff from him. We have our own plan. Yeah, we, we do things that, you know, we think, you know, he's not seeing what I'm doing and stuff like that. Yeah. We're just like Jonah in that way, you know? But anyway, um, which way was Nineveh from Jonah? He lived in uh, Palestine, right? Or in... So it must have been to the west. Which way was that? North of him, wasn't it? Must have been to the east. Oh, to the east. Yeah, to the east, right. Yeah, to the east. Which way was Tarshish? The west. The west. Yeah. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going that place. Was Tarshish Spain? Spain, yeah. Paul talks about his ambition to visit there. In the book of Romans, he hoped to visit someday. So he gets on a boat <coughs> in Joppa. He goes to Joppa. And, uh, and then the great the storm comes up. And, and, and the, the, the sailors are they're unloading cargo, right? Trying to lighten the ship so it won't sink. And they're praying to their gods. Mm-hmm. A bunch of pagan sailors, whoever they are. And where is Jonah? Jonah's down below sleeping. Again, you know, <laughs> think about this. This is kind of comical, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is. <laughs> He's asleep. You know? It's like, does this guy know what's going on? And he's the reason for it. <laughs> so, uh, but they, they woke him up. <laughs> he says, get up and call on your God. We need people praying here, brother. <laughs> How can you sleep? Call on your God. And so they... The, um, the assumption was that, that one of the somebody was responsible for this disaster. Right. Uh, and so they said, well, who is it? We'll cast lots. Uh, and um, and the lot, it fell on Jonah, actually, didn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. You're the guy. You're yeah. the guy. Yeah. You got the short end of, yeah. of the stick or whatever. We draw straws here. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, they, they quizzed him, where are you from and what's your country? And, um, What's what's all this trouble about that we're in here? And he, he just says, well, I worship the Lord, Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord means that's the, the name of God, Yahweh. I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And then it says they were terrified at this. Uh, it's almost like they had heard something about or they had some... 
you know, knowledge, you know, that if, if this is the, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth has caused this, then they're in deep, they're in deep duty. <laughs> and, and it says they knew he was running away. He did share that with them, he said that he was running away from the Lord. <clears throat> and, uh, and then this, this, this scene, they, they said, what should we do to make the sea calm the seas, calm the storm? And what does Jonah say? Jonah says, throw me overboard. <laughs> He's probably thinking, I should have gone to Nineveh. Yeah, this is kind of hard. I'll to say John, I'm, I'm really in trouble now. Throw me overboard. You know, you need to sacrifice me. I'm the cause of the trouble. <laughs> and then again, you know, here, this is interesting. You would think these guys would be so... Uh, so angry with them that they would they wouldn't ask they wouldn't even ask once once they found out that he was the cause of the trouble and he admitted he they wouldn't ask him what to do they would say well, get rid of this guy right but they asked him and he said throw me over but then did they do it no they tried to row no they rowed harder they didn't want to throw him overboard and uh, but they but they they couldn't, and then they asked God to forgive them for taking the man's life. Here's here's something interesting. These guys they seem they seem more Christian than Jonah. Don't yeah, they? Yeah. 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 yeah, sure. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, right here in the beginning of the story, Jonah seems like he's a real jerk. But these guys are seem pretty compassionate and caring, don't they? Well, not only that, they they may not have been they may not have been Jews, but when the storm came up, each of them was praying to his God. Yeah. Right. You know, so he, so they were they were men of faith, even though their <laughs> faith was even though their faith <laughs> was, was misplaced. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did cry out to God to forgive them yeah. for throwing yeah. Jonah over yeah. the board. It's like a, it's almost like they had some faith. Uh, they didn't discount that, that that Yahweh was God. But but of course, you know, just like they say, there's no atheist in foxholes. I mean, these guys are in the middle of the storm, so yeah. they're like, oh, this this God must whoever this is, this God must be real. This God's got some power. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is kind of an irrelevant question to the story of the book and the lesson I think we're supposed to learn but uh, we get to the uh, you know the fact here now that Jonah is thrown overboard and a great fish swallows it some kind of fish and people have all start raising these questions what kind of fish is there in the Mediterranean that's big enough to swallow a man whole right is this is this story really happened and uh, it, you know, obviously it, it does seem incredible, doesn't it? I mean, uh, is it, and then this raises the question, is it possible that this is a kind of, something like one of the Aesop's fables? It's a story that somebody wrote to make a point, like Aesop's fables. 
Could God, the Holy Spirit, inspire an author to write, write, write a story, a short story, a fiction? Does that mean that? Well, I think well, you know, whale sharks get pretty big. Whale sharks get pretty big. It doesn't have to be a story. I think somebody actually was swallowed a few years back. Yes, I've heard about that. By by a by a whale or by a great big whale shark. Mm -hmm. They get really big. So they could swallow a person. Mm -hmm. Well, they did, and it could have been. I mean, certainly there are whales that are large enough, large yeah. enough. And even though technically, by our standards, whales are not fish, you know. But even at this whale, time, if it was in the sea, it was the fish. The whales swallow big, big sharks or other sea creatures. Whole. Is there a whale that does that? There are there are whales that that have the capacity. I know the sperm whale is one of the biggest whales. Yeah. And you know what they but there Real is like well, yeah. But there are there are whales that, that are um, that don't that, that aren't like filter feeders that that eat there are whales that eat, eat fish. Yeah, there there are whales that that, that eat um, uh, seals, seals. and yeah. oh, yeah. pretty good size oh, yeah. animal in itself. When you think oh, about sure. it, oh yeah, oh, seal to me. Yeah, the orca. Well, of course, I'm not a materialist, so I believe anything is possible with God. If God made, God can make this happen. Would would be beyond what you could explain. Scientifically, so I don't, I don't have any problem with miracles. Like, you know, that if you're going to start out with the assumption that, that miracles don't take place, that God has not, can't do, doesn't intervene in natural affairs, then of course this this never could have happened. But if you if you've already, and that's not where I'm coming from. If you've already agreed that God could create the storm, then, you know, the fish is really small potatoes. <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you can't buy into the one and not the other. Right. And uh, this story also reminds me of, of another storm where the, in the New Testament, mm -hmm. some people thought they were going to die. Yeah. And, and, uh, and God... Calm the storm. Calm the seas. In this case, it was God in human yeah. flesh, wasn't it? You know, Bob, I thought about that too. What was Jesus doing during that storm? He was asleep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> he wasn't asleep like Jonah. He was no. asleep because. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and it's understood that only God controls the heaven and the earth, the Creator. But Jesus has that power. This is, well, this is kind of an indirect sign of his deity, isn't it? Right. That he has the power to control the creation. After all, he was the Creator. He was the instrument of creation. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but Jonah... Uh, Jonah himself seems to repent, doesn't he? 
once he's inside the big fish. And he, he, he has quite a prayer, doesn't he, here? Uh, uh, and uh, he, he describes being uh, uh, from the depths of the grave. This is the New International Version. Uh, and uh, that's the grave there is shield. This is the word, in other words, I'm right at the doors of death. Shield is the, the place of the dead. <clears throat> and um, he says, I've been banished from your sight. Uh, yet, he says, I will look again toward your holy temple. I would, I hope to someday be able to worship again at the temple. But the waters have engulfed me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. <laughs> the root to the roots of the mountains I sank down, um, and the earth beneath barred me in forever. So here he is, he's enclosed and, and but, he says, you brought my life up from the pit. Uh, this is kind of an anticipation of the fact that he's going to be spit out on the dry land. And when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And I prayed, my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. So Jonah, in this prayer, that is kind of preaching, isn't it? Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You give up the grace. You give up the goodness of God. You give up God's forgiveness when you turn to another God. No matter, you know, and there's all kinds of gods, even covetousness is idolatry. That's, uh, of course, you're making some possession, wealth, or, or some possession that you covet. Paul says covetousness is idolatry, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Anything that you value more than the Lord God, that's your God. Right. Anything that you consider of highest worth. Well, I have a question. I have a question. How does, how does verse 8... One or two verse eight read in yours again. What? How does two eight read in yours? Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Okay, this is the ESV. It's very similar. Then those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Yeah, forsake their hope in yeah. God's steadfast right. love. Yeah, I like yours. Yeah. That that uh, I, I didn't check on the Hebrew. It's probably the word uh, uh, that uh, talks. It's hard to translate into English because it has the idea of grace and mercy, and also has particularly the idea of faithfulness, of steadiness, something that you can count on, and is and, and is part of God's covenant promise. But he says, I with a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. And salvation comes from the Lord. So he seems to promise God, doesn't he, in this, you know, that he has really repented. 
we will find out in chapter three <laughs> yeah. that uh, there is some condition attached to his repentance, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so uh, um, God commanded the fish, and Jonas vomited up again on the land. And then uh, the word of the Lord came again. So Jonah, this time, he heads east, northeast to Nineveh. A great city, very important city. Said it required three days. I think King James verse says three days travel. Right? To get, uh, the, we do know that the walls of the city were not actually uh, 60 miles around or 60 miles in diameter. That, if you're thinking about how long a man could walk, maybe 20 miles in a day, would that, does this mean then if it was 60 miles in diameter? Uh, that would only apply to the outer areas. Uh, but there is a sense that it is really a great city, an important city in the world. You think of something like London, New York, uh, uh, some of the great cities of the world. The author, this isn't just some little bird out of the way place. The emphasis is upon the, the greatness of the city. And uh, metropolitan. Right. <laughs> right. Summer of <laughs> And the message is 40 days and then it will be overturned or destroyed. And then immediately, verse 5 says, the Ninevites believed God. They believed this message. You know, we are in trouble. And obviously they believed that they were a sinful people. And uh, they declared to fast. All of them from the greatest to the least, the whole population repented. This, this is, in fact, this seems to be the greatest miracle of all, doesn't it? Yeah. You think about it. 100,000 people had revival. That all these people would immediately repent of this message. This is a miracle, isn't it? And when they repented, it wasn't just mental. Yeah. And the news reached the king. And uh, he declared the fast and uh, decreed that uh, nobody was to eat or drink and let everyone call on God give up, and give up their evil ways. And in verse 9, he says, who knows, who knows, perhaps God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fear of anger. Why would the, why would the, apparently the, the, the this king kind of it's sort of like he knows something or has some hint about who this God is. By the way, there is a there entered. I'd like to turn back to the book of Jer Jeremiah, where let's talk a little bit about when God's threatens or God forecasts the destruction. How, how do you explain the fact that he changes his mind? Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, somebody got some of that? Uh, beginning at verse 7. Uh, 
I got it. Okay, read, read through verse uh, 10, verse 7 through 10. Okay, Jeremiah 18, verse 7. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I have planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will consider the good I had intended to do for it. Okay. So, this is, uh, this is uh, a message that comes from Jeremiah, really kind of stating how God works, right? That what, he, what happens to us does depend upon our response, doesn't it? That God just doesn't decide what He's going to do without regard to our response, but what He decides to be least condition on our response and what He will do. Uh, so when God saw that the people had turned from their evil ways, He had compassion on them. And, uh, and did not bring the destruction he had threatened. So what's Jonah's reaction again now? Great, greatly, greatly displeased. He became angry. He is just totally. And he said, I knew, I, this is what I was afraid of from the beginning. I knew this was going to happen. And how would he know this? How would he know this? Because he knew that his, his Lord was the compassionate Lord. Something about the nature of God. Right. Mm -hmm. That God is just not an evil demon. He takes joy in destroying people. He knew that God was a compassionate God. Right. Uh, gracious and compassionate. Right. I knew you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. I knew that. And so, in a way, he's not surprised, is he? He's not shocked. Because that was what he was figuring God might do anyway. That explains why did he not want to go to Nineveh? Because he didn't want to see Nineveh saved. Right. Did he? Yeah. That was what he was concerned about. Not after he did all that work. <laughs> so he, would, he would be the instrument of their salvation by preaching to them. Goodness gracious. What Jew would want to save those pagan Nedivites, the, the people of Assyria? And of course, caused the Israel, Israelites all kinds of trouble through the years. Thank you. And, and the city that was so evil that that God would pick them out and choose yes. to make an Does example of them. Yeah. You know, and say, their evil is so great, I'm going to destroy the whole Good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, but this is the guy that just got spewed out of the mouth of a fish, right? And he's got the nerve to be angry at God. Just saved you, bub. But anyway, uh, I guess looking at verse 5 of chapter 4, 
he sat, he went in and sat down uh, outside the city. It says to see what would happen. I guess maybe hoping, maybe, well, maybe, maybe this fire and brimstone is still going to come down. <laughs> uh, and he, and then God gives him a vine to cover him, giving him a little shade, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, God has kind of, why does God give him that vine with him? <laughs> He's worried about Jonah getting sunburned. Lesson time. Yeah, lesson. Yeah, but the very next day, cod goes as a worm, worm and devour the sun. So the very next day, he takes it away from him. So what's going on? God gives him the vine one day, and then takes it away the next day. Well, of course, when he took it away, Jonah's. Sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he he, he wanted to die and said it'd be better to die than to live. This there's no way to live out here in this blazing sun. And so God is talking to Jonah. And what does he say? Do you really have a right to be angry about the vine that that you had for a day and then it I gave it to you and took it away? And he says, yeah, I'm angry enough to die. <laughs> now, what he, <clears throat> this is really a metaphor. Uh, that there's a note in the New English translation that points this out. It's kind of like, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, scared to death, for example. Or, so that doesn't mean that you're about ready to die. But it's just a, a way of talking about extremity, the extreme. I am so angry. I am so, I, I hate what has happened here. Yep. I cannot stand the thought that this city is going to be saved. There's, there's a strong, this story emphasizes that Jonah's heart, you know, even though he believed in God and, and he finally preached, he did not want these people to be saved. And, and but God tries to reason with him. Uh, he says, verse 11. This is the point of the story, isn't it? Somebody read verse 11. Bob, you're going to tell. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? In which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also any animals. Well, this is compared to the vine. Uh, he says, You are concerned. You have to compare This is a comparison. Jonah, you are so concerned about this vine, a little plant. Now, think about this city for the 120,000 people. And what does it mean can't discern the right hand from the left? Some people say that means that they're small children. But he does. The, the word people is the word for human, Adam. The word Adam, actually. And that's not usually applied to small children, to identify small children. But anyway, there, there are a multitude of people here. It's a great city. Thousands and thousands of people. You're so concerned about this one little vine. 
But you think I should have some concern for these people. There's, we don't get Jonah's answer, do we? Did, did he ever come around and say, well, I see your point, God? I don't know. Now, <clears throat> there's three other stories. The story of Rahab the Harlot. Coffee? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm kind of assuming you guys know that story. The uh, Israelites, the Hebrews, are invading Canaan and they come to the city of Jericho. And uh, they uh, are hidden from the, the, the spies are hidden right. by Rahab. Uh, keep it from being caught and being executed. So she's saved along with her. And in fact, she's mentioned and she becomes, apparently, she, she uh, becomes married to the ancestor of King David. Yes. She yep. becomes in the lineage of the Messiah, doesn't she? So there is this woman, this pagan, who is a prostitute, who is saved. And then you got this, uh, then I suggested you look at the story of this woman in Samaria. Uh, a Samaritan woman, not a Jewish woman, a Samaritan woman, a very sinful woman. And uh, she's offered the water of life, isn't it? She says, you know, Jesus said, if you ask me, I'll give you this water. Yeah. He didn't say, now you become a Jew. You know? Or he didn't even say, you know, if you'll become a good woman, you'll, you'll give up this guy you're shacked up with. He didn't even put conditions on it. The only condition he put on it, he says, just ask me, and I'll give you this water. And then there's Cornelius. Of course, he had already heard about uh, the, uh, the God of the Jews and, and was very much attracted to the, because he had, he had contributed to the synagogue right. uh, and he prayed to the Lord God of Israel. Uh, but uh, Peter uh, didn't think that he probably should eat with him, did he? <laughs> in fact, did, did, was there anything in the law that said if you're a faithful Jew, you should not sit down and eat with a Gentile? Was there anything in the law that said that? Isn't that in the law? Wasn't that in part of the law? They weren't supposed to eat with. What? Weren't they? They weren't supposed to eat with Gentiles, right? I thought that was in the law. They weren't supposed to eat with Gentiles. There was a law. I thought there was. That's Where is it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's in the Bible, something Deuteronomy, maybe, or. I think it wasn't in the law. It was in the customs that they right. that they added yeah. to the law. There's nothing in the Old Testament right. for part of the Jews have a Bible, but that oh. had developed. Right. That that developed along all lines of un, uncleanness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That emphasis upon being ritually pure that would contaminate me. 
uh, to have it. And, and really that implies friendship, doesn't it? You know, what is it about eating with someone? Sharing a meal. Uh, sharing a meal. It implies fellowship and friendship. And Peter had to learn a lesson there, didn't he? And, and meals were meals were always <coughs> special, even in the Old Testament, like the Passover. Okay, the whole the Passover was celebrated by them gathering together, and the meal was very specific. And stuff, so. Can you imagine Jonah uh, after the after the fast was over? Can you imagine Jonah wanting to go in and, and eat with the king, <laughs> sit down at his table? <laughs> <laughs> so, is there? Do you see any kind of connection here in the, all of these stories? God's a God of second chances. He's a God of reconciliation. Yes. He's always been a God of reconciliation. It's always been His heart. To, Reconciled to all people. When the uh, people confessed, they knew exactly what to do. They, uh, yeah, they they knew the difference between the sin, yeah. justice, and injustice. Yeah. Rahab do, do you really need the Old Testament law to know the difference between right and wrong? Do people who are not have no know nothing about the Bible? Do they know the difference between right and wrong? I think um, one of the things that God has impressed me with. I've been reading, just started to read a book. It's a new book. It's by a, a great missionary recruiter by the name of Oswald J. Smith. I don't know if you would know that. Name. He founded the uh, famous church <coughs> called People's Church, which is very evangelical and very involved in missions. But in the book, the name of the book is A Passion for Souls. And I see this relating to Bruno. Um, he said, wherever there's been a great movement of the Holy Spirit, there's deep repentance, a deep conviction of sin. And like you were saying, what's right and what's wrong? Um, today, it's your truth, it's my truth, Yeah. but there's only one truth, and I think uh, what God has taught me to do is to really pray this year for our people um, to have a real, a deep conviction of sin, because if there's a deep conviction of sin, then there's a chance of repentance and returning. Well, what you said was really, really critical because do, do we really think that it was Jonah's preaching that caused 120,000 people to repent? Hey, it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right? it wasn't yeah. Jonah's. Yeah. Right. You know, because obviously this guy didn't have his heart in the message. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had to be dragged in it to begin right. with, right? right? So it was the Holy Spirit yeah. that touched the hearts of those people when they heard the message. And right. the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict. You know, that's part of yeah. And that's what happened in this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit convicted that entire yeah. city and, and they repented and went to ashes and sackcloth and fasting and all of that. Only the Holy Spirit has that kind of power. I mean, this, yeah. that was not Jonah's doing. Amen. Yeah. yeah, even 
Sometimes we like to think that our belief and our repentance is some credit to us. Yep. Yeah. Right. But if, mm-hmm. if God were not moving already in our hearts to convict us, could we, could we even repent? Right. He's the one who has to soften our hearts to begin with. Otherwise, exactly. our hearts are hard. Yeah. You know, we, don't, we don't see it, we don't hear it. And, you know, and of course, the whole time you got the the evil one who's who's out there deceiving people. I think that when he talks about not knowing your hand from the left, yeah. you know, that's that's they're deceived. But you see over and over again in Scripture many stories that it's the outsider who often is the one that God touches and that is willing. Yep. to turn towards God, like Rahab, you know, very unusual, you know, whereas uh, uh, 40, 40 years earlier, the whole generation of Jews didn't trust God to give them the land he promised, did he? Sure. But, then, but right here in the middle of this very, very simple Canaanite people, you do find a woman who believes and trusts. And, uh, you find people like Cornelius, a Roman, who did not have the privilege of growing up in a Jewish family. Uh, you have the Samaritan woman. And then there's uh, the thief on the cross. Or the, what, was he a thief? or I think he's one of those. Is he described as a thief? Yes. Yeah. He's a, yeah. somebody who's committed terrible crimes. I think. Uh, usually that would reserve more for people who revolted against the government. It must be a to get crucified. And, and he's the one who turns. One doesn't turn, but one does, doesn't he? Yep. So, and even Paul. Yeah. I mean, after Christ <laughs> dies and is resurrected, you know, Paul was against the Christians, he was against the way. Who is there hope for around us today? If we wanted to apply this, who, who are the most degenerate, sinful people in our community? Politicians. These people that God maybe would want us to speak to is to relate to all the repentance. Certainly not to ignore them. Does God care about them? Who, uh, who would you consider the probably the most degenerate? The worst kind of sinner. The worst kind of sinner. Have you got can you come up Serial with killers? classification yeah. here? Somebody who'd be inclined to look down upon this normal human being. All have sinned, all have sinned. Huh? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, that's true. 
but are there some, some, some that we consider worse than others? Do we tend to do that? Uh, of course. We, we, we certainly probably going to consider some sins worse than mine. I know there are people whose who sins are a lot worse than mine. Don't you know people whose sins are worse than yourself? Pretty much everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Except for that sin. <laughs> Bob, you might want to move away. <laughs> Our own version of the worst sin, you know. You know, you know the things that you know, particularly, and, and sometimes that's because of what the things that have happened to us. You know, like if you were someone who's, you know, lost their livelihood or lost their home because somebody cheated them or something, you might think that you know a cheater and a thief would be the worst, as opposed to. You know, if, if if you were hurt badly in a in a divorce because of adultery or something, they might think, well, adulterers are the worst. You know, so I, I think each of us, because of our hurts, you know, has. Uh, but I think I think generally, most people would say that someone like Hamas who come in and you know butchered those people that that would have to. Yeah, they had pretty high. That would be the kind of thing that, uh, that the Syrians would have done right. to the Jews. <coughs> I, I think yeah. that's that's a good point. I think that, I think that some of the I think that to me some of the worst are, are those who not only are doing things against people, but who are doing things specifically against God. Those those people who persecute. You know, Christians and Jews and stuff because of what they believe. Right. You know, the people who uh, who consider Christians some of the uh, worst people on earth and think the church is about the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity. Right? We're more inclined to think that those people are the worst. Or I'm. What comes to my mind are drug dealers that deal drugs and end up killing a lot of people. To me, that's a very heinous sin. Or a, a sex offender who molests a little child. But then, if you talk to if you talk to dog, uh, drug dealers, they say they're just supplying what people want. Yeah. You know. Yes. But uh, can we? Is it possible God wants these people again? That God loves them? This drug dealer, this sex offender, the Hamas, people who commit horrible atrocities. I think that's, that's really what Jonah is trying to teach us, isn't it? Because we don't like to think about the fact that at one point in our lives we were enemies. Okay. And he, and he softened our hearts, and we were able to repent. 
and we like to think that we weren't as bad off as they were, but we know we are. You know, yeah. we know we were. You know, if you're if you're rejecting him, it, the rest doesn't really small potatoes compared to the fact you're rejecting him. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Yeah, I say there's one verse in the Bible that I have trouble with, and that's Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, and when I look in the mirror, I have a problem that Paul, Paul is the chief, I think I am. <laughs> and, uh, these are all, of course, illustrations. It's not, it's about who God is, about the great, greatness of his power. A power that's manifested in love and compassion, rather, rather than a power to oppress. Right. And, and, uh, he has no desire to wipe out the world. That's not his desire. It was not his desire to wipe out Nineveh. True. His desire was to save Nineveh. Right. That's why he, he wanted Nineveh to be one. God has this great compassion. John 3.16, who did God love? Yeah, the world. Yeah. The world. He loved the world. Yeah. And that includes me. <laughs> what does that include? <laughs> it includes a lot of bad yeah. people, doesn't yeah. it? A lot of bad Yeah. The greatness of your love. How deep and how wide. There's a song about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right.